Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation. Candid discussion about addiction and recovery with the people who have lived it, along with input from experts on the journey from struggle to triumph. Laugh, cry, and be inspired. And now, your host for Recovery On Air, Donna Alexander. Welcome to Recovery On Air, the show in which we work to break the stigma around addiction by talking about it. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm your host, Donna Alexander. Greg Halverson. Is my co-host for the day. Okay, so I'm just going to let you guys know this right out of the gate. People in Alcoholics Anonymous are not a glum lot. No. No. So, and Help. There's a, and there's Blink your eyes twice. Today, oh, my God. Mike Here Gephardt, we are. Also known as Shoeshine Mike. Oh. So we have already been having a grand time this morning. So we're going to try to get our stuff together enough so that Mike I thought can, that was all part of the show. It wasn't part of the show? Well, it's part of the recording. Whoever gets to see that part. Hmm. Oh, Mother see. Pearl. <laughs> So he's got his best radio voice on, as you can tell. Every now and then I use that. He has a radio voice? He does have a radio voice. I I don't think he has an inside voice. Can I say it? Go ahead. The face for radio. The face. (laughs) It's the oldest joke around. Come on. You know, the first time I heard that, I fell off my dinosaur and... The tissues, Mike. The tissues. I like this better. I like the the microphone cover. yeah. Mike Condom. Mike Condom. Wow. Oh, all right. See, so that's like. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> so. Mike, Shushine Mike. So let's get this part. It's, oh, so it's, it's like probably open part mic of your, night at the autopsy convention. It's probably part of your story, which uh-huh. I haven't been blessed to hear yet. It's very boring. Well, let's make it fun. Okay. Let's make fun I'll of try. each other. Because you know us both pretty well. Yes, I do. And we're getting to know you pretty well. So that means that I will we can say joke one thing. and laugh and have fun. We can, but I will say one thing at, uh, just on my own note to begin with. Um, I've known these two people for a while, ladies and gentlemen. I, I will say there's a part in vision for you that we will trudge the road of happy and destiny with you. I don't know two people who've gone with more people and trudged the road with them than these two. Donna and Greg are very good people. They're ugly, but they're very good people. <laughs> well, thank you. That's why we're that. on the radio. That makes three of us. It's on a radio, so it's true. Okay. Oh, right. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, take me out now. So can we get can we get the 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 tear part out of the way? Let's get the tear part out I, of the way. On my question, story, I'm going to tell you what. Um, just give me a few moments on this. Thanksgiving Day 2005. And I'm sitting on a milk crate in an alley on 23rd Avenue in Bell Road. And uh, beat up. Don't know how I got there. Uh, just road rash everywhere. Really sick. And I had been... Having thoughts on suicide. Only, of course, I didn't call it suicide, but I really did think the world would be a better place if I wasn't around because I really was the tornado in a lot of people's lives. Uh, hurt a lot of people, stole all that stuff that we do. You know, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to die because I'm miserable and I'm shaking and I don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, and um, a voice did hit me. I don't know where it came from. I really don't care to know where it came from. I mean, I tried to figure it out myself. But voice just said, you're not supposed to die this way. That was it. And um, I've not had a drink since that day. It was Thanksgiving 2005. Um, in the 16 and a half years that have followed, I've had the most incredible roller coaster ride I think any human being can endure. Ups and downs, all arounds. But the whole thing was, no matter what, I didn't drink. Some things got really bad. And, and out of the bad stories, sometimes great things happen. My best friend and roommate um, about eight years ago died. And uh, his family came in. We were housemates. He owned the house. And we were good roommates. And never, his family came and, you know, went through the whole house and everything. And I was taking care of the bills. And everything was just crazy. And, and then he, he had died suddenly. And it was a good thing and a bad thing that happened at the same time. I had my radio show, got my first ratings report. Um, the original ratings for that hour is in with 1,700 listeners, and this is my sixth month of doing a show, and I had 30,000 listeners in that hour. So I'm really, really up in the air. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, real high on that, and then Jim dies. So I had the really good and the really bad happening at the same time. Short story longer. I um, 
one day had to move. They, they sold a house to one of these cheap guys to buy it. And, uh, and I had all my stuff out in the driveway, didn't know what the hell to do. And, and a friend of ours in the fellowship walked up to me and said, I know you need to find another place. Gave me a check for $2,000. Oh. And uh, and just said, pay me back when you can. This is how our fellowship works sometimes. You don't say anything. You're trying to get through. Somebody walks up and says, hey, I know what's going on. And uh, so I got the place, but I couldn't get all my stuff moved. I call our friend Charlie. And I said, Charlie, I know you got your pickup truck. And I have all this stuff I have to move. And it's really kind of close. I'll pay you what I can if you can help me get moving. And he said, what time do you need me there? I said, Thursday morning, 7 o'clock. I have to be out Thursday night. He said, okay. 7 o'clock that Thursday morning. 15 pickup trucks come around the corner. It's all the boys from the 5 a.m. How bad do you want it meeting? Oh, my god! They back all the trucks up in front of my, in front of my house. Um, I remember Jim grabbed me and made me sit down with my dog, Shiner. And she shine Mike and Shiner. That's so, too cute. And it was <laughs> Shiner having my cup of coffee. And um, and these guys load up the truck, and I rode with Charlie. And I swear to you, it looked like a scene out of Mad Max going up 68th Street. Grandfather clock hanging here, shit hanging out all over the place, you know. Got to my place, unloaded it, said we're going over to the ranch house for breakfast. I went with him. And uh, I'm going through my wallet and everything madly, trying to figure out how to, um, how to pay for breakfast, you know. And Jim leaned over again and said, no, brother, you kept us sober for an hour. Breakfast is on us. Oh, my gosh. I use that story as a distinction between working the program and the fellowship. That was the fellowship in total action. Absolutely. And we all agree with that. And the program was me not drinking and being able to ask for help. And I use that as a sequence to that moment, right? I'm five, six years sober at that time. And um, and it's amazing how you can have that much time, or you have time, and things can fall apart on you. But you know how to deal with it now. You know who to pray to, who to yell at. You know, and and my sponsor calls it. You know who to pray to and who to cuss out. And yes. uh, but you do it nicely on both ends. But it just happened in that amazing, amazing way. And uh, I have no idea. Sometimes that I'll sit at home and I'll sit there and go. I haven't had a beer in Arizona. In 16 fucking years. What's going on here? Right. What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know what mine is always too is like I haven't smoked a joint. Yeah. And that is amazing to me as yeah. much as not drinking. Oh, sure. Sure. But I'm, I'm the person who really never did drugs. I smoked a joint in 19... 19- 67 during a Bob Seger concert. He was, he oh was my two. God, he right? Was, yeah. he was <laughs> and I went into seizures. And it uh, also, oh, snap. The, the, cool, the part that was funny, you know, I had, I'll talk about the reunion with the family later, but um, my family, same thing, all my brothers and sisters, everybody tried to join, no, into seizures. So there's a family, two good family, you know, inheritances on, on that. Yeah. Yeah, and a doctor said there's something in your blood that just causes you not to handle it. So I said, okay, and I never did drugs. That would be kind of nice, but yeah. no, I, I, yeah. <laughs> but I drank my way to stardom. There you go. So, you know, and uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, I just. So, so I, 2005 uh-huh. and on 23rd and Bell. Right. And that was your aha moment? That was the moment. That was it. Yeah. That was it. And, um, you know when they say, do you remember your first drink? Yeah, I remember my first drink, but it's not really that I concentrate on. I concentrate mine on going to to the club on 64th and Thomas, uh, Alana Club, back when it was there. And Nancy was there, Nancy A. And Nancy's hitting 50 years this year. Oh, fantastic. And, um, but I remember more than anything, I remember her holding my coffee cup because I was shaking so bad. Yep. And couldn't get it down. And, uh, and I was about almost a month then. I still had it really bad. And uh, she just had to say, your family now? Right, your next cup of coffee, you go get it yourself. You know, in a funny way, right? You know, the way Nancy is. And I said, okay. And um, walked into a meeting, my first meeting there, and I was about three weeks sober. In between the alley and getting to that meeting, um, I went back to Lark that morning when they let me out of the hospital. Had two seizures during DTs, and I asked the guy. He says, I've heard about these sober living houses. He says, I got one right now, and he sent me one on Forty Third Avenue in Thomas. Eighteen guys, one bathroom. Everybody's fucked up. Right? Oh, and I'm sitting there going, okay. And there was one guy who wasn't. Bob was his name. And that's the guy I hung out with. And then miracles kept happening. My, my recovery miracle, I call it. My night that, that it was totally a miracle or not a spiritual experience. That comes later, but a, a rural miracle in my life. Um, I got back from working one day. I was still shining shoes over at Camelback Toyota in a few places. And um, 
the guy, I walked in there and I was tired and sat in my bunk, three-tiered bunk. I'm on the bottom, of course. Really big fat guy. I was praying for rain. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm sitting there and the guy above me is drinking out of a bottle of vodka. Guy is sitting across from me shooting up. And I'm sitting there and he links the bottle down and says, Mike, you've worked hard all day, man. We really like you. You're a funny guy, blah, blah, blah. Have a good hit. And that was my moment. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? I still have to go back to work. And I put the stuff in my shoeshine box. I'm just a simple shoeshine guy. You guys know. Picked it up and just started walking. And I just kept walking. And I walked past the hospital and I said, okay, I've got to take a leak and get a glass of water. I hit the ER and I can do that. And I went in. I got a I went to the bathroom and I got a glass of water and I was sitting there and I didn't realize I was there for like a half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, ER nurse came up, uh, the, the head of the uh, ER. She came up and said, sir, you've been sitting here for quite a while. What's going on? And I told her the truth. And she said, okay, okay, we're going to make it. And I'm sitting there going, okay. She goes, come on. I need you to straighten the magazines on those tables, start wiping things down. There's a broom and a mop over here in the corner, and you can help me empty some gurneys later on. The guy who normally did that didn't show up for work that night. She put me to work, which is the best freaking thing she could have done. Service. The best thing. And um, got done, and I'm just, and and it energized me to be me a little bit. I started having some fun and everything, and, and, and laughing and joking around a little bit. I tend to bar 30 years. It's just part of my thing. And uh, put me to work. Okay. And that morning, and I said that to myself that night when I was walking, I said, if I can make it through tonight and get to a couple of my dealerships in the morning, there's always donuts and coffee. I can hang tight. I can do that. That whole street survival thing was kicking in. And uh, no, it turned out that happened. She gave me an $80 paid out. I get to Camelback Toyota. The manager who died a couple of years ago and destroyed me, John O'Malley, was really huge in my sobriety as a person who's not in a fellowship. Really huge. And... Uh, he knew what was going on. He saw me. He knew what was going on. Went to his car. I got out 10 pair of shoes, right? And he says, I'm going to take these in orange rooms, but you're here. You take care of them. Then he came out with a quart of orange juice, and I want you to sip this slowly, you know? And he said, I just called my assistant. She found a motel room for you down over here, and he paid for it. He says, you owe me. So you start coming here every week, and we'll start paying it off and take care of everybody's shoes. And I said, okay, well, that was all happening, and and it was wonderful, and I said, okay, and I was in the motel room, and I said, no, keep going to work. Got up the next morning, was hitting all the car dealerships on McDowell Road. I'm about halfway through, and I'm talking to people. I'm having a good time. I'm explaining what's going on. They can see it. They know what the hell's going on, and, uh, and something just hit me like, I don't know what's going on, and I was really, really fuzzy in the head. I mean, to the point of not knowing what's going on. I didn't want to drink or anything. It wasn't like that. It was just all weirded out. I went back into, and I said, I know, I heard about those meetings. I know there's some meetings around here. And I walked back in, and Scott was working. And I said, Scott, can you give me the number of Alcoholics Anonymous? i got to find a meeting around here. He said, sit right here, Mike. I'll find it for you. And he found it. He said, there's a, and gave me the number of Central Office. I called him. They said, there's a, there's a club right near you. And um, 64th and Thomas, and I walked in there. And I'm walking around there, not knowing what the hell's going on. But the biggest thing I remember from walking in there, have you ever been to the old club? You I don't can, think you so. You can smoke in there, and there's a pool room there, right? Hiroshima did not have a cloud of smoke that was over that pool table. <laughs> not even close. And I'm going, holy moly. And uh, so I lit a cigarette. And um, <laughs> walked down and, and walked back, and, and the meeting was going on. And I'm kind of walking around. I was standing in a corner, and these two guys sitting at the table, best friends now, Bruce R. and Jim B. And Bruce turned around and said, what's going on? I said, I have no idea. And then Jim turned around and said, then you're with us. Come over here and sit down. It's all there. The rest is history. It's all there. Just, uh, we know those moments. Yes. And uh, you tear up. Fuck yeah, you tear up. That was a life-changing moment. And I mean, I'm coming from a life of just being on the street, of, of running for any problem I ever had. I've tended bar more cities in this country because anytime I came up against a bad problem or love or emotion or anything uh. like that, Fuck you. I'm out of here. When the Greyhound bus drivers go in all these cities, know you on a first-name basis. Uh, yes. You know, and uh, I would kept running and running and running. I don't know how I got to Phoenix. I knew I was in San Diego. That's pretty much it, you know. I attended bar for 30 years. You could always get a job as a waiter or bartender. In the 70s, I was a waiter at Durant's. Uh, I'm my way through Phoenix to California. I All that. And knew the game, both the restaurant business and the drinking business and the bar business. And I was really, really good at it. Because you have a voice like this. 
You can sound as serious as you want. They're going to buy it. You know, you can put on the act. They'll buy it. So good things started happening to me. And, and uh, we don't do commercial breaks here, do we? No, do we don't. Now, why do you want You can no, make I'm a commercial. So, for I, what? You know, I am right. so used. Come what are you going to do a commercial about? Come on down to Crossroads. They have great there peanut butter go. sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter sandwiches. We have George Ham is going to take issue with that. Ham and cheese. Oh, George, you can't. Ham and cheese. He, he would. He would. They have incredible Italian dishes. I know. I tried them once. I was so happy. <laughs> Giuseppe, good cook. Yes. <laughs> yes, he very good. Very good. And Jose do dishes, and he not miss a one. That's right. Anyway, so you know, I, I'd love all of this. I've been to Crossroads, and then. And uh, Rich Merkel was one of my idols yes. in my early sobriety. Rich um, taught me so many things, so many things. They wanted a speaker one night, and, and I was about three months. And I'm sitting there, he goes, Michael, get up there and put that voice to use. And I, what? Just go on up there, Mike. You're ready. And I said, who the fuck are you telling me I'm ready? That's what my right. thought. And I went up, and, and um, I'm not going to disguise it at all. I love a crowd. I love an audience. <laughs> No. I, really? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. That's no. shocking. It, does it scare you? <laughs> no. Because I'm person. the same. So are you. Uh, and, 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 well, when he speaks for me, he loves an audience. Don't you give me the shh. I know. Don't give me that. I know. I'm Greg and I'm invincible. <laughs> I know all the tricks in the world. I watch every episode of Bugs Bunny. You can't fool me. So, you know, we just, I know, a little off the wall, but I love me. Um <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I had a thought real quick. I sitting there daydreaming last night, and the umpire is coming out from home plate, right? And he has to make a 10-step to the pitcher who, you know, he made the wrong call at the plate. So he walks up, and, of course, they're having the pitcher's mound. The guys are all talking. They're having a little consultation. So he walks up. He walks up to the pitcher's mound, and he goes, okay. And he holds his hand in a submissive way. He says, I'm sorry. It didn't mean to make the wrong call. Please let's get the game continue because I'd like to be a nice gentleman every now and then when I can. Turn around, he's walking back to the plate. The first baseman goes back, okay, we'll try this time. The pitcher's on the mound going, you blind motherfucker, you need glasses. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, and the catcher's walking right by him and looking at him and says, bite me. You know, and they all go back to work. And I love episodes like that in my head. So, Oh, that anyway. was all in your head. So there's your commercial, that there's your time out. Oh, yeah. That wasn't at a game. Huh? Oh. No, the one I did at a game. Good Lord. The one I did at a game was the greatest comeback in this God's earth, right? I, we're at a game, and, and all of us are sitting there enjoying ourselves, right? And we're sober, for Christ's sake. And, and we're sitting there. You and, say uh, this? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was so sober, I was sitting up straight watching the game, okay? So we're sitting there, we're enjoying the game and everything, and, and this, this lady comes by, kind of heavy set, right? It gets all gospel on us. And, you're, you know, you're a little loud over here, and you're at a fucking baseball game, all right? And I'm going, yeah, we're at a game. We're at a game. Well, I, I would just appreciate it if you took it okay a little bit better because I'm trying to sneak through here. And I'm like, what? What? I got a cheater, cheater, compulsive eater. And, oh, uh, oh, snap. Oh, oh, the gloves came off, as we say in the business. <laughs> and I, it was just disgusting. I was just, oh, my God. And I looked over at Angie and all the nice ladies that were there. I said, did I just say that? And they're in tears. You can't get them off the seats. You can't, you know? And, and uh, I didn't realize that was funny. I thought it was just, it just came out. And I thought, oh, my God, I just insulted somebody. And they're all, they're all losing it behind me. People in a fellowship love a good laugh. Yes. Love a good laugh. And I so like it at my expense, too. Tell us about that 10th step. Which one? <laughs> oh, I couldn't find her. I looked everywhere. <laughs> First thing I went to was the bullpen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> At least he didn't say the concession stand. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, the hot dog man was in the bullpen. And he, was, <laughs> he sold cheese dogs. Okay. Mother of Pearl. Get, Greg, you were supposed to be like keeping he's, us in line. Oh. It seems like he's just digging the hole, so I'm just going to let him go. I love my hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike. So, Howard Stern. Service, <laughs> service work. <laughs> Do you know how much work I put in the digging? Well, anyway. <laughs> Greg, what were you saying? I'm going to hell. <laughs> I was, I was going to start I'll putting meet you out there. The, oh, good, the good points of Mike's program, and that is all his service work that he does and how busy he stays. Because every time I go to a meeting, 
that we see each other just about every weekend, and uh, and he's all over the place, and he's he's up, he's getting the baskets, he's putting the stuff out, he's setting it up, and um, and and he's, I mean, I I have a hard time believing your actual age because you run around the room like I don't know a fifth grader, and well a hyper fifth grader. Well, Nancy was able to get yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. And, 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 and I've watched him do this all the, uh, for a well, since I met all right, him. We, all right, let's put it since to the I test. Met Robin, how old do you think I am? Uh, close to 60. Thank you. I'll take exactly. it. And, exactly. And when he had his birthday, uh, what, a month ago? What, my belly button? You're seven. Yeah. When That's you, December 8th. December. So four months, <laughs> four months ago, I was blown away. I did not know his age, and I thought he was about 20 years younger than Yeah, a lot of people is. do that. Yeah. And it's all because of what I see, what he's doing, what he's running around. He has more energy. It makes me tired to watch him. <laughs> right, and you I know, and run I around right, a lot. And he's right, very energetic. Right, right, right. right, going up and down so, Camelback. Well, um, you know, that you does know. give us a good, a good thing to keep going on because service work, to me, is the most important thing. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask about something then. All right. Because Greg told me about this a while ago. So you might have to end up telling the story because he might be. Okay. Won't actually tell it. So I want to hear about transportation and why you continued to take okay, the so public hold on. buses. Let's just. No, 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 no. Now, hold on. Now, I think it's. I find it hilarious that a guy from Detroit, Motor City, <laughs> that he chose, and and he's working at a Toyota dealership mostly, right? He uh-huh. was, he, he did a oh, lot of work at Toyota, yeah. um, but he's with in all these dealerships for so long, and he's from the Motor City, and he chose to ride the bus for a very long time. But see, the side thing that most people don't know about and that I was told from someone who I think knows him quite well is he said, Mike loves talking to these people at the bus stop. My drunks. Yeah, you're drunks. You're drunk. You're people, right? They're my people. And, yeah. Yes. And That's why you go know. to St. Vincent's every Monday morning. And you know, the street people are having a meeting. Yeah. That's me, man. Yeah. I, I was in those seats 16 years ago. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I think it's important for them to know that I have 16 years and yeah. I have the happiest life on earth. Yeah, I just do. But my bus stops, no, that was uh, that was my my I. Uh, you know, a lot of people know this too. One of my dealerships gave me a car this year. Um, yeah. Carnelli Way Mazda said, "We see you do so much for the church. We see you do so much for the homeless, and you're always taking a bus. Screw that!" And he gave me a beautiful Mazda Six, brand new. I have the title at home. Uh, I have lifetime warranty. They put all brand new stuff in it. I just went to have an oil change, and I tried to pay for it, and I said, who the hell are you? And he asked and, me to pick him up today. And um, Really? Only, only so I get towed away in the parking spot I'm in. And um, they gave me a new car, and I think I know who you were talking about, Greg, but I told a couple of people that I went, I don't know. And they're looking at me like, uh, excuse me? And I said, well, I like my folks at the bus stops. And that was my first thought. was, right. how am I going to see my guys right. and ladies and everybody who's <clears> – <throat> And everything, and and, um, and then Charlie just says, drive by, and if you see them, pull over. Get the car, Michael. Drive the car, yeah. you know. And I do, and now I love, I can't do without a car now, now that I have one. <laughs> but my biggest honor on that, I was the oldest person at that DMV to ever get their driver's license for the first time. <laughs> for the first okay? time? Yeah, for the first time. <laughs> it was my first driver's license. I'm 70 years old, you know. But you know what made it funny? You know, I'm 16 years sober. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and I wave the keys, and I go, I'm 16, and I got my car and license. Oh, my and, um, gosh. You know? And, and, and I'm a good driver. And, um, oh, I don't. I haven't driven uh, with him, so I can't say Oh, anything. I'm hell I just wheels. wrecked my car, so I guess I got no, no, no. room to be talking <laughs> you know, right come now. Come on, man. It's me and ACDC at the top of my lungs flying down Bell Road. Well, I be mean. careful, because that's what my problem was. Is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that my I say I wasn't the hire. Uh-huh. I wasn't the hire. Okay. Yeah, be careful. So I said I wasn't the hire. Yes. You know, I had a couple of Valley Girls on my show once. One oh, of the best things Lord. ever happened. I'm sitting there, and it's it's Super Bowl Sundays. It's the day before Super Bowl. Amanda, Ashley, who's going to win the Super Bowl? And Amanda sits and goes, I'm not really into cereal. I lost it. I was gone. I, I, oh, my God. I grew a new set. I was laughing so hard. And, 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 
of, of arms. And uh, <laughs> the other ones are brass. You can't find brass in this neighborhood. And, and it just was, you know. <laughs> anyway. So. These are his shows. His yes. shows. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I have some good shows. Oh, I, I know got, you do. My show got two, two big mention awards this year. Yay. So one was for breast cancer. Nice. And I had two friends from fellowship on, and our American Cancer Society congratulated us because we let it out because Jen was pregnant uh, when she was having Sedona. And, uh, and she was all afraid and everything, and then she found out chemotherapy and all the stuff that needs to be done does not affect a placenta or a baby. All right? Wow. Get And she sat there, and we sat on the show, all you ladies who are pregnant and I'm putting this off, get to the doctor now. You know, and that was a big thing. A lot of people don't know that. I'm sure you just found that out. Yes, you're correct. You know, that show. And then the one with Angela Harrell from the 100 Club of Arizona. And she's the one that takes care of the families of fallen firefighters and policemen. Oh, wow. She was in the Pentagon on 9-11. And wow. it, was, it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And we opened the show. And I said, we have Angela Harrell with us this morning. Well, all three of us talked about our experiences on 9-11. But I have to have Angela go first. She was in the Pentagon in a harrowing Story, a wonderful story. I mean, she's a mess. Everybody's all bloody. She's looking for a landline because the the cell phones are out. Needs to call her mom, let her mom know she's okay because her mom knows she's there. And uh, they get done with that. And there's a daycare center next door. And she calls a Marine. The Marine brings 45 guys. Of course. In in under a minute, 45 Marines show up, get these kids out of there. But she could not shake the image of a Marine holding a child who was bleeding in one arm. And a gun in the other, and saying this is America. She could, and it was that's a hard thing to shake. And uh, her story was just amazing. And and um, I had a shoe shine stand in Newport Beach, and I went to my stand. That's where I just felt the safest. But what was harrowing? We were in a direct line of John Wayne Airport, and there were no planes. You know, I mean, all these kind of stories come out. And Angela's though was just a fantastic story. And uh, wow, I mean, I I get some blessed moments on that show. I really do. And that was one of them. That and and was we, we have that them. here, too, yeah. a lot. And I know. get on, I do recovery on, too. Greg's been on my show when we did on the opioid crisis. Along Twice. With yep. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Come and, on. And, uh, Jeez. Yeah, but you were just sitting there looking pretty the second time because the chicks were there. <laughs> the second time I was just trying to help somebody, what, marry a football player, Oh, right? God. I'm she sitting there going, it was Christmas, player. coming up Christmas, saying, like, Gayla, what you want for Christmas? She goes, I want a football player. She didn't let it go. She yeah. She, so I started googling. Yeah, you started while we're googling. On the show. She got he got a website for football players for. Her. And we're sitting there and going, "That's the most serious show we've ever had, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoy it." Ah, uh, you know. And it was just he's always been a great guest, though. Always been a great guest. Always and a co-host too. And a co-host too. I believe that you know it's a, he's a he's a. He's a good guy. So tell do, us some more about your recovery story. So all right, you let's get, just go for the last year. In the last year. All right. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, You're kidding. Yeah. I, I love the service work I do and everything, but my own personal miracles in this last year have been insane. <clears throat> Reunited with my family after 40 years. I went to wow. And uh, got to see all my brothers and sisters. All seven of us are doing well. Kathy's in the fellowship. She's got eight years. Patty, everybody thought... Patty ran away from home with this biker when she was 15, okay? And everybody in the neighborhood, of course, so I grew up in the projects in the side of Detroit in a horrible family, a raging mother, an alcoholic father, the whole thing. And I was basically the oldest boy, so it was my responsibility to take care of some things. She ran off with this biker. I call him Ward and June Cleaver. He had passed a couple of years ago, but he, he retired as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. She has three nice. of the most beautiful children you've ever had. She was on my show Saturday because she lives in Augusta. They were at Fort Hood, and she's on one of the committees at the Masters. And I said, can you talk about it? She said, no, no, I want to talk about something else. We had tea with Tiger Woods and her and her ladies group. And I said, well, what about the weather? Michael, I'm not done. Listen to your sister. We had tea with Tiger Woods. And um, she told a story about me when I was a kid. And um, I learned how to walk. I was holding dad's, you know, pinkies and everything. And she goes, I'm in my jumpsuit and everything. And she goes, he didn't walk. He took off. He slammed into the wall. Landed on his butt and started laughing his brains out. Right? He just started laughing and rolling around. And he ran back to dad and said, I'll do it again. <laughs> you know? And mom's looking up from the couch. And he goes, yeah, one more time. An indicator goes, of things to come. And I was just going to say, and the ins- insanity <laughs> let me, begins. Let me do the punchline here because it's good. 
So they did it again, and I hit my nose into the wall, and I'm bleeding from the nose, and I'm dancing like, like a rabbit. I'm just having the greatest time on earth. And they stopped it. And then Patty goes, and he still does that today. Ladies. Yes. You know, 70 years later, Mike still runs into a wall and just has a laugh at it, you know, and and it brings up a point in sobriety too. It's so important to laugh at ourselves. Yes. It's so when I do something dumb, I just crack up. When I get mad in traffic, I start talking like the Swedish chef. You know, and and uh, you know, and it just and it just makes me laugh enough that I'm not getting angry and I'm getting away from it and everything. And um, it is. I know the dog gives me a weird look when I do that, but that's all right. And uh, you know, I taught Shiner only one trick. My dog, Robin, you'll like this. I only taught Shiner one trick, yep. and he did it so good, I never taught him another one. And he still does it now, even at 16 years old, and he's getting old and everything. My dog hits a snooze on the alarm in the morning. So, for those of you getting a pet, there's a reason. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, uh, reunited with my family. The dealership <clears throat> gave me a new car. Um, I'm number one in my time slot on KFNX, you know. And the Shoeshine Mike Radio Hour moves on. It's just also cool. I'm just the greatest life on earth. And I, I try to tell people about happiness. The, the key to me for happiness in sobriety was contentment first. If you're content, moments of happiness are going to come and slap you in the face. And uh, I was content. Going to my meetings every day, had my routine down. Um, I have a lot of sponsees. I had a wonderful thing happen a month ago. There were three people I sponsored on the same day. And this is right around the time when Jim died. And I kept sponsoring him. And... Um, they all came together here in Phoenix and, and uh, got their nine-year chip together. Oh, couple, my couple. gosh. That's and, fantastic. And still, they were still laughing and having fun, and, and I was so proud. I, I couldn't see that. And my sponsor said to me, and he'd been saying that for years, um, you keep saying that you, you wanted to commit suicide because you didn't think, you know, life would be better off without you. And he goes, I watch everything here today, and you think life, you think it was better that you weren't here? And I said, maybe not. And he just got up. He goes, I waited 15 freaking years to hear that. 15 years. You've been on the toes ever since. And I, and I don't know. I don't know. It's service work. I don't know how many meetings I've chaired. or I have a lot of sponsees. Yeah, that's fine. I have nine guys in the house. I don't play sponsor there. I'm a mentor. Um, I'm also a Nazi house runner. Um, clean up your mess or you will die. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do and, and, and everything to help others. But... Um, it's just our job so, to help others. I have a question And it doesn't for you. just have to be people in the fellowship. Right. During right. COVID, there was an elderly lady around the corner. Yeah, I went to the store for her every week. It's cool. You know, stuff like that we do. We Absolutely. just do it. So we are in the studio today talking with Shoeshine Mike. And so for our listeners out there, not everybody's going to be in exactly the same place that you are. Tonight? So, right, right now? Yes. The no, happy, joyous, and free. Believe so, me, I know that. I know so, that. Talk to us a little bit, maybe, if you can, share a thing or two that's happened to you in your recovery that was it maybe the best Oh, and how you made it through that. Well, I mentioned one about Jim and, and, uh, and when he died. Um, it's mostly people I've lost. It's mostly the mourning process that, that has been the hardest. Uh, ben Walton and, and uh, Arnie Cole was my hero. Arnie, uh, a decorated veteran of World War II, um, when I was new... God, I was a pinball, um, and I was all over the place. But I, it was—I grabbed the promises. So, something's changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, but I know what I'm a pinball about now. I have the same energy, but I got a little better direction. But I would walk up to Arnie with the promises, and I said, "Okay, does that come true?" And I was like adamant. I was like demanding, you know. And Arnie just just sat there and said, "Which first, one were you asking him about? Do you remember?" I was at oh, uh, <laughs> a new freedom and a new happiness. Okay, yeah. And, oh, we went through all of them. I promise you, we went through Just all of them. Saying. I wasn't letting him go. That man stood, for, sat there with me for three hours explaining the promises to me. And that, to me, differentiates Alcoholics Anonymous from anything else I've ever seen or been a part of. And he had the patience and just told me a new freedom and a new happiness. He says, you have the choice today of not drinking. You get to be yourself. You get to say hello to people. You look at you're going to work. You're being responsible. Right, but the biggest one he got me on that feeling of uselessness and self pity yes. will disappear. The number one thing, as far as I'm concerned, it takes people out of self pity. Things didn't go their way. Someone, someone done them wrong, you know. And especially a newcomer, self pity will get them. Self pity will get them. I had more money when I was using than I do now when I'm sober. Right. How many times have I heard that? Right. How many times have I heard that? You know, um, 
it's just it's self-pity to well, me. Well, it's because one. of what they were doing to get that money. Well, yeah, that's it. Uh, you try to explain that to them. You know, right? I know well, that. Well, and that they lost it all anyways. Yes. Right? They all yeah. peaks and valleys. Well, and self-respect and, valleys, and, yeah. and dignity and integrity and all of that. I remember being at Flower. What is what uh-huh. that? <laughs> <laughs> and the women would say, Donna, come on. I've got to pay my fees. Just let me go down to Van Buren or wherever just for one night. I can pay my whole month. I'd say nope. Oh yeah, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's. We have a guy now who used to be at the house, and I had to have him leave because he wasn't following things correctly. But he's now um, social, social panhandling is a way to put it, I guess. Right? It's not doing him any good. No, it's not doing him any good. Um, no, it's, it's just not. You know, I mean. When I was at the bus stops and talking to people who I wanted to help get sober, I would, didn't try to make them sober or anything. I just tried to be an example as best I could. And how can you be sober five years and still take the bus? I said, because I choose to so I can meet you. And that usually puts them in their tracks. Right. That puts them in their tracks. When I'm at the uh, uh, St. Vincent's, I make it adamant that we don't want anything from you except for you to be sober and freaking happy. Do you understand me? Do you get that? And I, you can hear me. And, um, you know, because there was one of the people that worked there and he goes, uh, Mike, I want to be I want to be sober and happy. I, I don't drink, but I want to be so just the way you said it. Right. And it reverberates. You have to plant a seed somehow. That's right. There are times it's a hard voice. There are times it's holding them while they're crying. It's times that you're you're helping them bury somebody. But you've got to plant that seed. They're not going to go nowhere unless that seed's planted. And, and my job in Alcoholics Anonymous, my job as an alcoholic man, right, is to help others get the seed mine was planted with that voice in the alley period right and uh that's just the way it is you got to plant the seed and i think that too we need to have the patience sometimes that that seed doesn't always take sprout the first time so we've got to keep trying to water it trying to help the best that we can great example right now but still the boundaries yeah you have to have a boundary we can get in the way of higher power spirit Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 don't force religion stop this stuff Yep. A power greater than yourself. My sponsor's an atheist, and no one's taught me more about spirituality than him. You know? And, uh, and I refer to my higher power, and I, I always believed in God, right? But um, reading the big book one day, I found something that made it personalized. All right? I read a line, a little three-word phrase that said, a daily reprieve. And my head spun into the fact that when you want a reprieve, you call, you know, the governor calls it in. I refer to my higher power as the governor. <laughs> And every morning with my dog Shiner, I go out in the backyard. I ask for another that daily. That makes sense. I, I've, I ask, heard him, I've heard him a million times. Yeah. Um, and I go out in my backyard. I ask the governor for another daily reprieve. My dog Shiner and I <laughs> run around the backyard reciting the promises. There's my meditation. And everybody goes, no candles. Uh, you know, no. And it's worked for 16 years. I'm leaving it alone. Right. If it works, don't fix it. Leave it alone. I have a sponsor. You talk about that. Right, he went out six times before you know, and I kept going with him. We don't shoot our wounded. If you right. go out, I try to get you back in. He just had over. He's got over a year now. and just had a year's birthday. I have a guy I'm working with right now, and he's so up in the corporate world. All right, he has to differentiate the humility between him being a corporate big ass and me just a plain shoe shine guy. And he doesn't have a problem with that now. You know, I said, you know what? You know everything about your books and stuff? He said, yeah. You know everything about how to run a fellowship run your, or run your program and, and your business? Yeah. Well, I know about being sober. If that's what you want to find out, you'll listen to me instead of your fucking books up there in your office. Yep. And I let him have it. And he said, you got it, partner. I'll shut up. Go. And he's coming up on a year now. So, um, And a lot of that goes away. A lot of that I'm big man on campus shit goes away. The employees. He has if they want to stay sober. Right. It goes and he's away. he's doing it. Right. And he wanted to do that. He wanted to go to the change. And this happened in the six and seven step, just like it did for me. That's that's what, step six and seven made me a man. Which are, tell the listeners. Six is, is uh, we're entirely ready to have, oh, six, humbly asked them to remove our shortcomings. And seven was we're entirely ready to have them remove our defects of character. Okay. That's when you got the man up and put the stuff out there that made you the way you are. All the good and bad, not, you know, very little good, but get that bad. I'm a liar, cheater, thief, what have you, right? So six and seven made me a man, able to cop to my own responsibility. Eight and nine made me human. Ugh. I put it that way. Yeah. Six and seven <laughs> made me a man. Eight and nine made me human. And they never stop. I ten, think that that's... 10, 11, and 12 made me a person. Right. 
Right. And I think that, that a lot of people have this misconception, in my opinion, of course, we know about opinions. Everybody that, has that, one. <laughs> that you do the steps one time and, and you're done. Not even close. No, not for me. It has not been that way at all. I continually get caught up and have to redo some of them. I just finished doing my stuff for the sixteenth time every yeah. year. We yep. do it once a year. Yep. Got to go through them because there's stuff. Your mind's a computer. And once a computer starts clearing that stuff up, the cloud comes back to you. You start remembering things. Well, well and, and how many different ways are there to go through the steps? Correct. Not just on your own and with a sponsor, but as a sponsor, with a sponsor. Yeah. In a step study, in a meeting, mm-hmm. in a you get those new new uh avenues you the new versions of it yeah you know i mean come on you've been around for 16 years and you're telling me you've never heard somebody talk about the whatever third step in a way that you went oh shit oh yeah all of them of course what of course you know and i and it said the same thing i just said a power greater yourself you don't have to say god i don't care if you're catholic jewish what i don't i really don't but to me, the very necessary part of sobriety is that power greater than yourself. Correct. And you have to have yep. that. I, I, I have no. 100%. I have yep. no. I, I've had my misconceptions. I had my doubts, what have you. None. None. You know? And if you don't want to, fine. Go over to the nearest bar room, have a few drinks. And if yep. you can act like a gentleman, not. You know? Yeah, I would and not I, act like a lady. No, I, I'll and, tell and, you that right now because once I start, I'm not going to stop. Here. I know, right? Can no you believe way. that crap? I don't believe it. Woo! My sister gave me a revelation. She came to visit me uh, over St. Valentine's Day weekend and told me my dad was adopted and we're 100% Irish. And then she looked at me in the eye with a smile and said, that explains a lot, doesn't it? You know, yeah, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, an Irishman is not drunk so long as he can hold on to a single blade of grass and not fall off the face of the earth. You know, so. You know. Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, briefly, about a spiritual experience uh-huh so what was mine yes all right there was two of them the first one and i was amazed by this i went out that one morning i had the day off from work i was doing well in a sober living house i was in thank you bob schumacher i know you're listening and um i know he is and and he was my house manager and did a lot but i remember i finished doing my uh part of my ninth step that day and i went home and i was reading the ninth step again the book and it dawned me and I felt that feeling. I said, this fucker works. This whole thing works. I was about 11 months sober. Mm-hmm. And I was coming up on a birthday on Thanksgiving. And I'm just sitting there going, this thing works. And I, I ran out to the living room. And I remember that. And he was sitting with his wife, Donna, who I love. Hi, Donna. And, um, <laughs> and I just ran up to him. And I grabbed his arm. And I said, Bob, this thing works. This thing really works. He knew exactly what was happening. And he said, Donna, could you leave us alone for a few minutes here? And he sat with me for that while. And I went through it and I started talking about how I knew it works because of this, because of this, because of that. He started crying. <laughs> he sat there and said, that's it. You've had it. This is your, I want you to remember this moment for the rest of your life. This is your moment. You know it works. You know it works. So don't fuck it up. Right? Don't fuck it up. You know it works. All right? And he says, I have one piece of advice for you. And I said, what? He said, keep doing what you're doing. Yep. He said, you're chairing two meetings a week. You're doing the coffee at the nine drinkers every Sunday morning. You're doing this, you're doing that. Keep doing them. Keep going to work. Keep doing what you're doing right now. Just keep doing what you're doing. The second one was off the chart. I'd finally got my own place. Beautiful little casita. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I'd just gotten Shiner, I think, two months before then. And uh, I'm getting ready to watch Detroit Lions game. But I'm sitting on my couch in my little place. All right, and I listen to music a lot, okay, and, and um, while they're doing the pregame show and everything. And Shiner's on my lap. I got this beautiful breakfast on the coffee table in front of me. The ball game's getting ready to come on, and a song, China Roses by Enya, comes on. And I'm sitting there, and it's just, whew. I, I swear. I mean, I, I left somewhere for, for a few minutes because I was just in a spot I can't explain. I cannot explain the spot I was in. I can't. I'm doing everything in my power to recreate that spot, right? And that's been over. That's That was only in my second year, third year. Um, and I've done everything now since then. I want that spot back so bad. And I told my sponsor about it. And he said something to me. Now, this is an atheist saying that. He said, well, you, you found your heaven. That's your heaven, Michael. You found that. That's that moment you were in there. You were in heaven for that few moments. You were. That was your heaven on earth, Right? 
don't fuck it up. Everybody keeps telling me, don't fuck it up. And, um, <laughs> you know, and that's how my guys talk to me. We're old school, you know. Right. Uh, we're Rich Merkel and, and Butch. You know, we're the guys, you know, Big Mike. We're, Mine we're, were Montana we're, shit kickers, oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, there you man, go, right? they kicked my ass. There's none of this, none of this stuff. Like, I made amends to myself. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> made amends to myself. Is your name the first one that. on that list? Oh, my God. And I'm looking at it. I'm the look, only one I have a resentment against. Oh, my God. I went off. <laughs> I went off at that meeting. The old timers are like clapping, going, oh, my God, someone spoke up. And then and, 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 and Charlie came over and said, I knew you were going to have a little opinion on that there, Michael. And, uh, and I just went, you don't make amends to yourself, all right, unless you're by yourself. And don't ever fucking tell me that you made amends to yourself. And I was mad, right? And that was a side they've never seen. Now, so I'm always one of those chipper, bright guys. Hit my program like that, and you'll see a side of me that you haven't seen. I'm adamant in my sobriety. Nothing wanna, takes it I wanna away. I want to know where, where the uh, I'm a wine-sucking tramp came from. I don't know. I was I was in a meeting once, you know, and I and I and I sat there and, and I said I just drank. You know, I I came up with it. I was at, I was a Sunday morning meeting, you know, and everybody's being kind of smart ass. And I thought, okay, I can match that somehow. Wine sucking tramp. Oh, I got it. I you know I was just a tramp in an alley drinking wine. A wine sucking tramp. Hello, and that's I and I don't do it all the time. You know, I'll do it during a fun period or something, but I won't do it during introductions sometimes. Hi, my name's Mike, and I'm a wine-sucking tramp. Motherfuckers. And, uh, <laughs> get off your knees. I know what I've been licked. Hey, you know, that sort of, you know, and, and you, you want to give them hell and everything. and then, We need to put that little thing on there that yeah, we put on that the, other one. The, the ah, warning. The, the warning. warning. Yeah, the warning. <laughs> you, you over there. You shouldn't live. Huh? So, you know, you, you, you want to you know, you be <clears throat> adamant. <laughs> so, so that's where wine sucking <clears throat> tramp came from it just came from nowhere and they knew something was see my friend you know me you know me if i'm sitting in a corner somewhere and i start laughing it means i came up with something you know I'm, my head's having a little good time he's a legend in his own oh, mind yes and he is he, he's and got he also that committee. cracks himself up yes i was being dropped off somewhere and i had to wait an hour right and charlie goes well you have to be here an hour and somebody in, in the back seat just are you gonna be okay charlie goes don't worry about him <laughs> he's got a bunch of people with don't him. Worry about it. He brings his audience he's wherever his own, he goes. He's got his own posse in his head. Don't worry about a thing, you know. And uh, you know, Vince on Entourage had nowhere near the posse Michael's got in his brain twenty four seven. You know, and it's true. The committee's there. I let him play through it. I let him just go ahead and play through it. It's fine. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I just, uh, you know, my um, everybody goes. You're always happy. And then who was it? I, it might have been you. Until he watches the Detroit Lions game, it was Rob White. Until he watches the Detroit Lions game. I don't know why I'm a Lions fan. There's some sort of psychosis. Well, you were born there. I, I Yeah, but, you know, I, yeah. He has Lions everything. I've seen him there's, wear There's some reason. They, they were saying that there's like like 70% of the people that l like football uh -huh. are attached to their homegrown team. Yeah, it's your homegrown team. I mean, because you had too many moments. My first game I went to was in 1962. It was the Packers line. 1962, you weren't around. Yes, I was. And were you really? Okay. I was one. I thought you were way younger than that. Oh, see, now you're my new hero. Oh, my goodness. Seriously, you think I looked at her? I thought she was just out of college <laughs> of hard knocks. And, yeah, uh, that's it. True, true. So I'm at this game. And it was the first game that Aretha Franklin sang the national anthem to. Oh, man. And, um, and, and, it was, and you heard her in Toledo, baby. I mean, she was great. And I was in a Mickey Mouse out, outfit because I had the best grades what? in East Side. Really? What? You don't know who Aretha Franklin yes. is? Oh, okay. I didn't know what he was talking. The event he was talking. I was about. just a football about to, game. Yeah, so she sang the national anthem, and I'm in a Mickey Mouse outfit because I was in the jail Hudson Thanksgiving Day Parade downtown. All right, because I had the best grades on each side. You know. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Wait a minute. Huh? Let's go back to '62. How old were you? This is. I was 11. Jesus. Why is that so okay. strange? For a boy to be 11 years old at a football the, game. I'm trying to do the math. I was to never say, really good with math. He's trying to think how much younger than us he is. Let's, let's do no, it this no, way. No, 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 no. Can we do it this way? Harry he, Truman was president when I was born. He keeps saying he remembers, and I was like, how the hell do you remember? Because oh, you, you were like two. Yeah, but how many times? I remember times, when I was 11 because I started drinking. But. How many times we've said in sobriety that we remember things of where we're way in the past, but we can't remember six months ago? 
I can't remember yesterday. Yeah, but I can remember when I was 11 at Hands the football game. Hands up all the way around. I can. I was in that. And uh, Dad gave me a shot of brandy because I was cold. And um, yeah. Of and, course uh, he did. But we saw, I saw <laughs> the Lions. What parents did back then. I, I know. The greatest generation. That's right. Vodka for pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, Whiskey yeah. for toothaches. Oh, uh, yeah. no. Yes. Bourbon, yes. bourbon for teething. Yeah. Rock and rye for bourbon cold. Bourbon on Q-tip for teething. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mommy gets the Q-tip and the bourbon. Little, yeah. You know? Put a little bit Can you it. imagine? <laughs> now you'd be in jail. Talk. Mom's doing that to the baby. She's doing it to Mary. Like, Mary's just a little baby. She's only about three months old, right? So mom's putting a bourbon on her... On her guts. This must have been a pre minor because I walked up to Bob and pulled my lip down. Hey, Joe. He remembers that. Oh my God, Mama. That was good. He also uh, ran into uh, walls. That's true. He ran into walls. That's got to be what the problem is. Uh, that. Like, we still laughed about it when we were at the. You know, remember when Mike tried to get the bourbon on his gums from Mama, you know? And uh, I mean. Oh my God! We had stories that we could laugh Lord, about. You crack it. yourself it's, up. I do. Huh? And. Uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. I look in the mirror, say, hi, handsome, and just almost break my jaw in the sink laughing so hard. And, uh, you know, I'd go in, boo, and I'd jump back. Hey, don't. (laughs) Don't. I was a sick fuck. Don't the Lions play on Thanksgiving every, every year? Every Thanksgiving. So yeah. do you have, is, don't you think there's something going on here? A correlation with Thanksgiving? Yes. 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 My favorite holiday of the year because I'm fucking cool. Because that's your birthday? Yeah, that's, that's your, my sober that's your birthday. Sobriety birthday. And my Lions always play so on Thanksgiving. whenever there's a day off, right, for Thanksgiving, and I get to get up and I have the day off and I get to go to a meeting and I go to a meeting and I get to watch him get his freaking chip Are you ready year. for this? The day I got sober at Thanksgiving 2005? It was the Packers and Alliance playing Thanksgiving Day game. Yeah. Who won? My first drink was at a Packer Lions game in '62, right? Detroit won both, and uh, <laughs> he didn't miss a beat. There, Wait a did minute! He? But those were the only two out of all <laughs> those years <laughs> that I didn't have a drink at. Yes, <laughs> no, I never did have a drink. I never had a drink during Lions game. I had fucking cases. <laughs> That's the Detroit Lions is the best excuse for alcoholism since 1956. Right. Okay? When they started. When they started. Because yeah. when whenever the yeah, other yeah. team gets, gets a score, <laughs> no, then they, that's you have they, to take that, a shot. That's when they won their last championship. I was six years old. I'm 70 now. When the Lions won their last championship. And, again, honey, I hate map. to break it to you. Once I don't again, think they're the going to win this no, one. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No. I had a lady call my show. Mike, I'm thinking about getting married. What kind of man should I marry? I said, honey, let's cut to the chase. You want to marry a Detroit Lions fan? Because you can't disappoint them. Okay. <laughs> then it, uh, you know, it's just, just the way it is. I mean, I don't know how we got off that tangent, but the story of my life is tangents and angles. You know, there you go. I go off on both. How'd you do? I didn't say get off. I said go off. <laughs> Jesus. Good Lord. Should have seen wow. me in math class with Sister Sister Ellis. How'd you do it? She math? sat there and goes, this is the triangle. And I, ooh. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Star Trek and Spock always pulled out the triangle. It was always at the wrong moment. Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so how did you do in that? He was way, he was, oh, straight A's. He, he was going to, I was straight A student, everything. Yeah, I was disgusting. I have an incredible uh, a gift of retention when I read something, except the big book, and I have to keep rereading that. But I have a great gift of retention when I read. I read a novel in... When I was thirteen, I can tell you all the main characters now what the novel was about, and it was it was and it was sixteen hundred. I read one like last year, read. and I can't think of it. No, it was sixteen hundred. I know Bill pages. and Bob. Oh, <laughs> that's about it. And Thornton, Billy Bob, and Thornton, Billy Bob, Thornton, get it? Come on, be quick, be quick, woman. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, she's such a valley girl. No, Robin, look at her. Wow, I am so not a valley. She's wearing girl. a T-shirt that says Fernando. <laughs> Fernando Valley, San Fernando. No, because that's I California and not caught dead. The one thing that pissed me off as a broadcaster is I couldn't do it in Spanish, right? Because you had the Americans, right? The Americans go, "This is ABC," right? But then you go to Mexico and it's Telemundo, <laughs> Univision. Playing first base is John Briano. Out in right field is Santiago de la Mora. You know, I mean, and that's why you can watch all the Spanish soap operas. I do not know what happened to my dear. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know, the lead in a Spanish soap opera just... always had the greatest voice on fucking earth. What is your name? Fernando Valenzuela. You know, I mean, come on. 
Fernando Valenzuela. I was born in the wrong country. I should have been in Spain speaking Castile Spanish on the air. You think so? Oh, hell yeah. You still got time. In my dreams. You still got time. <laughs> Here's the ticket. It's a big boat. <laughs> it's a just for you. <laughs> you do the laundry. <laughs> so what's our takeaway that you're going to give our listeners out there? So, and, and first of all, you guys that are out there listening, I know that you've been sitting here and we've had a lot of fun during this right. podcast but, but we all need to remember that this disease is life and death. It's and if you guys you. are out there and you need help, Crossroads will help you. One Give us a things. call. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 602-263-5242. Or look us up uh, at our website at thecrossroadsinc.org. Now take it away. And that's Crossroads, helping everybody. And I know it for my own experience. I've taken people from St. Vincent down there. Greg, you know that well. And, uh, yeah, we get a lot of people sober there, and it's a really good place. You want to take something away, do it this way. You know, you have the promises in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and um, I understand peace and I know serenity. And that's part of, the, part of the promises. But I know the serenity in my own soul now. That is something I never had, something I never looked for, but was taught. Everything happy in my life now is taught. And uh, one, I've, I've told you, there is no way I can pay the fellowship back for what I have now. There isn't, right? You're going to know a new peace and a new happiness. You will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Okay? You will comprehend the word serenity, and you will know peace. No matter how far down a scale you've gone, you'll see how your experience, can, your experience can benefit others. I got sober, and I was 55 years old. Okay? I was 55 years old, and I was a drunk out of an alley. How could I possibly help anybody? I have 47 sponsees now. Yeah. I do not. 19 of them have over a year. Right? So if when the sponsee and everybody tells you that your experience could benefit others, it can. I don't care if you have any sponsees or not. You show up at a meeting and I'm sober today. That's it, baby. You're doing your part. We expect you to do a little bit more. I do. Um, but you're helping others. The whole name of the game is, and I totally, totally, totally believe this, God picked drunks. To help other drunks, because that was one part of society he wanted help for. You know, people who were addicted, people who had troubles, people who had mental, um, mental issues and just couldn't handle being human. And Alcoholics Anonymous taught me how to handle being human. And that's one of the ways I look at it. I think I was put in a position of my alcoholism, right? Uh, I'm an addict and everything. I will not say this as any of that. But it gave me the life I had now. I had to go through that hell I went yes. through to enjoy the heaven I had today. I have today. Every moment of my life today is heaven. It is. Whether it's good, bad, indifferent, right? It doesn't matter. But there's a heaven to it. And um, there's just no way I could ever describe it better than that. I had to go through hell to enjoy my heaven. And that's why we say that religion is for people who want to get into heaven. Spirituality is for people who have been there. There's a difference between religion and spirituality. Religion is when you go to church and you thank God for the sunset. Spirituality is when you're out there enjoying sunset the way God meant you to. That's how I look at it, folks, and that's how I live. And I love the life I live right now. Thank you for asking that question. You are very welcome. Thank you for being here with My us today. My soul thanks you, too. Oh, you're welcome. I would What have an amazing... A amazing little podcast we've had here today and and donna has gone through hoops get my butt over here because i've yes I, I have i was busier and set of jumper cables at a trailer park wedding there's no way i could get <laughs> no way i could get away you know i could be rude well, i'm glad that you did and greg thank you for being here how he where he gets this <laughs> <laughs> i told you that uh, don't uh, mind. hanging around voices with a bunch in the head of yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Moody Blues came out with a song called Voices in the Sky, and I pretty much play that every day. I mean, I, well, or one of your <laughs> voices do. Uh, they talk back. Yes. Yeah, they give me hell. Yes. Um, and I, I, you know, there's things you do. I get up morning, I do my meditation, get ready for work, which is really nothing. I uh, catch the football scores and, and baseball scores, and I get in my car. I put on a song every day in my car before I leave. Uh, the Music Never Stopped by Grateful Dead. It's, it's I think, one of the most accelerating, accelerating you know, songs that I play and I sing it at the top of my lungs. Then I say, thank you, God. And I just go on with my day. Right. You know? So, I mean, that's mine. That's not textbook. You know, none of it's textbook. All right. Well, it's meant to be suggestive only. That's right. You know? So that's what we do. Yeah. I like that haircut. 
Right. That's suggestive only. <laughs> She's so hot. I really thought she was out of college. <laughs> I thought she was out of college. Okay. Uh, With that... <laughs> Thanks everybody for being yeah, here. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Phone numbers, anybody? See you next time. All right. Thank you, Donna. Thanks for listening to Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation with your host, Donna Alexander. Join us next time as we continue our candid discussions about addiction and recovery. Listen 24-7 anytime to this or any of our shows online at StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.